It's the Legal Toolkit with Jared Correa. With guest, Chuki Obio, we play fake-ass holidays. And then, Jared's a busy guy, but not too busy to envision a better future. So how do we start building Jared's utopia? Stick around and find out. But first, your host, Jared Correa. The Legal Toolkit Podcast is all up in your grill. No, wait, that's the person standing too close behind you in line for Panera. I mean, come on, people, you can still do the six-foot thing. Just being courteous. And yes, it's still called the Legal Toolkit Podcast, even though I don't really know what a stud finder is. On second thought, though, you probably don't need one. I'm right here. I'm your host, Jared Korea. You're stuck with me because Mike Douglas was unavailable. He only does shows named after him. I'm the CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, a business management consulting service for attorneys and bar associations. Find us online at redcavelegal.com. I'm the COO of Gideon Software, an intake platform for law firms. Learn more and schedule a demo at gideonlegal.com. Now, before we get to our interview today with Chuki Abio of Vetter Price, it's time to pour out a little liquor, probably some rum, for the fallen homie Jimmy Buffett. I had two recent conversations about Jimmy Buffett that I thought were sort of enlightening, so let me share. After he passed away, I played some Jimmy Buffett songs for my kids, and I told them I would give them each 50 bucks if they could name the singer, because I like to torture them that way. When I put on Margaritaville, my son was like, oh my God, I know this song. Now, while I couldn't come up with the artist, I was pretty impressed that he knew the song. Uh, not impressed enough to give him any money, but... I thought it said something about Jimmy Buffett's legacy that an 11-year-old kid who listens mostly to rap knew a song about drinking margaritas until you pass out. Or maybe that just says something about my parenting. Could be. So my daughter chimed in, and she started asking me about who Jimmy Buffett was, and I told her that he just died like the week before. And as 8-year-old girls will do, she asked me how he died. And so I told her it was from a rare form of skin cancer. Then she said as I was silent. I think you're missing a real opportunity to tell me to put on sunscreen. Do I have to parent for you too? Fair. But she was a little mortified when I said, I don't know, it seems like kind of an appropriate way for him to go out. Like Jimmy Buffett's whole vibe was about hanging out at the beach and sailing and flying around to tropical islands. He lived to be 76. He made a whole bunch of money. Seems like he had a lot of fun. All in all, it sounds like a life pretty well lived and nobody's going to live forever. She just left in a huff to go get some sunscreen. Then, a friend of mine came out from Indiana for a Red Sox game, and we were sitting in the stands at Fenway Park, where Jimmy Buffett's performed a bunch, and he told me that he thought Jimmy Buffett was better than Paul McCartney. And I quite literally did a spit take, spit my beer all over myself. And I was like, bro, that's fucking crazy. But he was adamant about it. And he told me to listen to Banana Wind, which, yeah, that's legitimately a great album. But then I responded, Paul McCartney wrote Get Back in like 30 seconds. Um, he did checkmate me by saying that you just got to go to a Buffett show. They're amazing. Of course, my response, what, what else is your response going to be? Yeah, I would totally go to a Jimmy Buffett show. No question. Sounds awesome. Because that sort of fits. Jimmy Buffett was always about the vibes anyway. Then the news comes out that he passes away the next week, and now there aren't any more Jimmy Buffett shows to go to. And that makes me a little sad. 
I'm also sad that Jimmy Buffett passed away because he was one of those guys who seemed to really enjoy life. He was always smiling and being positive, and there aren't enough people like that for my money. And even though I'm not a parent head, I can appreciate that. I also think he's got some good songs, has some excellent duets, and does a nice job with covers. Honestly, he probably does Scarlet Begonia's, maybe the best Grateful Dead song, better than The Dead. But I'm not a deadhead either. And it's kind of annoying that it's hard to find studio versions of their songs because everybody posts these 45-minute jam sessions on YouTube. I also hate John Mayer. But I digress. Back to Jimmy Buffett. Good vibes only for this one. Good vibes only. So I started to think of what Jimmy Buffett's legacy would be. And I mean the Margaritaville restaurants, obviously. Those are going to be around forever. His estate's probably going to get lots of money for a really long time for merch. Uh, there's probably going to be a lot of cover bands. And he kind of always struck me as this like Adam Sandler in the music industry. Lots of marginal recordings, some really good and popular ones. But really what he wanted to do was hang with his buddies and do what he loved. In this case, make music with the Coral Reefer band and for his fans. And that's cool. Like I can respect that. But musically, I think Jimmy Buffett's legacy is strongest in the country genre. He's one of those artists from the late 60s, early 70s, who has this country-infused sound. If you listen to his early recordings, like the Before the Beach stuff, which is actually a Jimmy Buffett album, he recognized it was a shift too. Uh, a lot like James Taylor's early stuff, there's like this really strong country rock vibe. And if you ask me to name the next Jimmy Buffett, I mean, he's not a pop star, right? It's pretty obviously Kenny Chesney, isn't it? He sells out concert tours. He has a fan group called No Shoes Nation. And he writes songs about drinking the beach and oceanfront bars. He's basically the modern Jimmy Buffett. And then how many other country singers cover the same territory? I made a whole playlist about it. Blake Shelton's got a song called Some Beach, where he talks about Margaritaville at the beginning. How many Zach Brown songs are about beaching, right? Sticking your toes in the sand, going to Mexico. Seriously. Nobody's taken up the Jimmy Buffett mantle like country singers. And it's probably the lock of the century that a group of country artists are currently working on a star-studded Jimmy Buffett tribute album. It has to happen. And I kind of think Jimmy Buffett knew this and kind of encouraged it. In 2004, he came out with this album called License to Chill. And that includes some original compositions, some covers, and also a hell of a lot of duets with popular country singers. He covered Hank Williams with a bunch of those singers, and that was a big hit. And then he has duets with Martina McBride, Alan Jackson, Kenny Chesney, Toby Keith, Clint Black, and a bunch of others. And the album itself was probably spawned by Buffett's collaboration on the lead single from Alan Jackson's Greatest Hits 2 album, which came out the year before. It's Five O'Clock Somewhere was definitely written as a song to include Jimmy Buffett. He pops in at the end. But it's also a top Jimmy Buffett song in its own right. So if you're out there and you're a wayward parrot head, there's probably a home for you in No Shoes Nation where the margaritas are strong and where the Buffett covers will flow like the salmon of Capistrano. Partner with Rankings.io, the marketing agency for law firms that want results, not excuses. With flat rates for Google ads, a track record ranking attorneys for the most competitive terms on Google, and a team always easy to reach by phone, even during off hours, Rankings.io is the agency of choice for firms that want the rankings, traffic, and cases other law firm marketing agencies just can't deliver. 
Visit rankings.io for a free consultation and start seeing your firm grow. Simplify. With Cosmolex, the only fully integrated practice management solution. Everything you need, accessible anywhere. Trust and general accounting is built in, so you don't need QuickBooks. Cosmolex's Money Finder reminds you to bill for work you put into client matters so you don't leak money. That's messy. Lower cost, better business, and less frustration. Yes, please. It's all built in with Cosmolex. Free trial and take 20% off your first year at Cosmolex.com. Okay, everybody. Let's get to the meat in the middle of this legal podcasting sandwich. Today's meat is pepperoni, which along with bacon makes up my daughter's entire diet. And let's leave that right there. It's time to talk to our guest. We have today, as that's right, in his first appearance ever on the Legal Toolkit podcast, it's Chuki Abio, the Managing Director for Business Development at Better Price. Chuki, welcome to the show, man. How are you? Yes, I am doing well. Jerry, thanks for having me. We made you take off your suit, though. I feel like you are a well-dressed man, and we've got you here talking in a t-shirt. So I hope you're at least comfortable. <laughs> I am extra comfortable. Yeah, I showed up with a tuxedo on just to raise the standards of sophistication on the show. Which it needs raising, let me say. <laughs> so you got your tuxedo on. I got my tuxedo t-shirt. So <laughs> there you go. speaking of my daughter, my last name is Korea, as people know. And the other day she was doing a school project and she's like, what does your last name mean? And I was like, oh, Korea means belt maker in Portuguese. And she oh, wow. looked me dead in the face and she was like, really, that's it? Not like warrior or something like that? And I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> Not proud of your history. <laughs> now, people mispronounce, people misspell my name all the time. You have a really cool name. I'm just wondering, like, do you know the meaning behind it? I'm assuming you do. And then like, Let's use that to transition to your backstory, because I think it's really interesting. So it's interesting, right? The first name is actually a, a derivative of a longer name, Chukunyere, which effectively means, it's a full sentence, God gives, right? Or God's gift. So, Jared, as you might imagine, I don't live up to that. No pressure, uh, man. No pressure. Six, <laughs> seven days a week. I don't know if I live up to that. Um, and then the last name is uh, a derivative of a word that means the heart returns. So God's gift, and then the heart returns. Um, so See, that's the much better, much better yeah. than mine. <laughs> the aspiration is to live up to that every day. I can't, I can't share that with my daughter now because she's going to be so disappointed. <laughs> now, you, you were originally, I think I remember correctly, originally from Nigeria, yep. came over yes. here to go to law school, right? So what was that journey like? Yeah, it was uh, a journey in transformation, to be honest with you, right? I sort of uh, intimate uh, people in my professional network and really my personal network that my exercise daily is in transformation. And what do I mean by that? So my parents were very intentional, shared about how they raised us as children. And one of the principles that they really established was that we have to have a commitment to continuous improvement and transformation. Mm. So that's sort of how I approached uh, the move from the west side of Africa to the north side of Texas. How about that? <laughs> Slightly different. 
right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, slightly different. You know, some uh, modifications uh, and adjustments for sure. And then you did the law school thing. I did. You didn't necessarily land as a practicing lawyer. And by the way, same. I understand. <laughs> so how did you make that choice? Because I, I don't know, like, that's a really hard choice to make. I think it's gotten easier over time. But I remember when people are like, you got a law degree, you're not going to be a lawyer. That's weird. Like, I still yeah. get that from people who don't necessarily understand the profession. And it's interesting, Jordan. I mean, in many ways, you're at the tip of the spear, right? I, I see you as a pioneer in so many different respects. And just, just happy to be you... anywhere on the spear. But... Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on the sphere. There you go. <laughs> how you sort of leverage uh, your law school education and then you point it in so many different directions of value propositions, right? So, you know, similarly, right? And this really goes back just as a family value. You have to have the courage of your convictions. Mm -hmm. And in the law school process, the application process, you know, going through sort of the execution of, you know, the one L year, two L and, and on and on. It really was just that mindset, right? You know, how do I have the courage of my convictions? I knew I was very passionate about negotiations, passionate about the art and science of persuasion is really what I call it. And there was just an opportunity to do something that was a, a little bit transformative um, after law school to go into a, a consulting career. And that's really just what I leveraged, right? And the school was very supportive. Uh, again, uh, shout outs to Northwestern School of Law. Shout out to Northwestern. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it was nice. And look, um, that's sort of how I connected the dots. And I haven't looked back uh, you know, ever since just, you know, moving forward. True story. When I was in law school and I was like, I want to do consulting. They were like, why don't you get a real job? So things, <laughs> things have like uh, moved forward. A little bit. Yeah, things have moved <laughs> forward. Yeah, exactly. All right. So let's talk about like, because I, I think you have some interesting theses on how people can manage their law firms, do business development. And you've got this thing that you call the law of getting more no's, which seems to me to be somewhat counterintuitive. You want people to say yes, right? So can you talk about what that looks like and what that means? So look, there are two levels when we talk about the art and science of practice management. You know, I yeah. sort of referenced the art and science of persuasion, or right? I think it all feeds itself. So when you think of business development, how you take a law practice from stage one to stage two, or just whatever next level definition yeah. you have, I think the law of getting more no's, uh, effectively the law of large numbers becomes really important. So, Ian, this is really based on a newer, less developed law practice, right? So uh, the audience here, the target audience for this is uh, individuals that may be fresh out of law school, maybe a little bit new in their careers. They just sort of uh, hung up their shingles. Uh, yep. That sort of frame of reference, right? Those individuals, I would say, if they count the no's that they get, just turn it into a thought exercise or maybe a gamification process, like they've not gotten enough no's from prospective clients to truly define their success. So the idea just becomes, all right, can you set up a plan, a process where you develop more no's based on feedback from the marketplace? I, I think this notion of feedback from the marketplace is important. And then also, like, I think it's important to get just reps with exactly. potential clients. So, like, you understand what the objections are going to be. You can answer for the objections. Yeah, I mean, like, you need the practice for sure. And I think what I like about what you're saying is like, you don't take that no and hang your head and be like, oh man, because you're never going to convert every client anyway. Exactly right. Uh, and so you're effectively just, you know, you're, you're embracing the principle that you have to get out there and just put the reps in. 
And as part of that, just put in the reps in, Jared. It's really interesting, right? And you can do this in a cost-effective way, right? So we're not you know, speaking of sort of large outlays of marketing dollars here. This is, right. okay, what's my sphere of influence? Uh, do I know a couple of people from law school, for example? Do I know some people maybe in a broader family, extended family network? All right, I'll start with those individuals. I'll tell them what I do. I'll ask some questions. Yeah. And by the way, that actually becomes really powerful. So Talk to your you mom to first. Of, exactly, <laughs> right? <laughs> Talk to your mom. Yeah, mom says we're very supportive. Now, look, I mean, you know, you're, 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 you know, your your mom might sort of, uh, you know, pressure test your value proposition in a way that oh, you probably sure. not thought about, right? She's listening you know? right now thinking of questions to ask me. <laughs> exactly. I love it. Um, well, let me ask you. So I want to, yeah. I want to get to like the technology and the social media stuff in a second. Yeah. But. You've got this other law, which I think is really interesting, called the law of compliments, yep. which nice to be complimentary in the present day world, right? <laughs> so, now, what does that look like? And could you use these strategies together, potentially? In some uh, way? You can, you can. Oh. So I, I think uh, you know, both of these laws and strategies are synergistic. And Jay, let's just call it what it is. I would say there's a good bit of pessimism and cynicism in the world. And particularly really? when you... Th- no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shocked, shocked by that. And when you think of the pressures that law firm practitioners are under, right, especially private practice, and again, really across the board, across the profession. It's a lot of pressure. Yeah. It's a lot of pressure, right? That these deadlines, uh, you know, very sort of demanding clients and, you know, stakeholders. So the idea of compliments, you know, becomes something that's a breath of fresh air. So what compliments, they really do is they expand the oxygen in the room. There's a chance where, so when we sort of look at the law of large numbers, the you know, law of getting knows, that's again for newer practices. When you have an established practice and you're looking to scale, you have to deliver more compliments to allow the different individuals that you need to delegate work to, right. to really show up and show out for your clients, right? And this is actually based on science. There's psychology research there that supports the fact that delivering more compliments actually impacts the same exact area in the brain where we feel rewarded when we receive a paycheck. Oh, interesting. Think of the implications <laughs> of that. In fact, uh, and just to yeah, drop a name, uh, yeah, Dr. Michelle Rosen, PhD, has really done some great work on this, um, right? So now speaking of the scale, scale into practice, the ability mm-hmm. to start to like drive some of those compliments shared, yes. And I think um, that helps you connect to internal stakeholders to really deliver on client expectations. Yeah, really anybody though. Like I could see that, like standard referral sources, stakeholders exactly. in larger companies. All right, so let's talk. So you mentioned like cost before. So let's talk yeah. about this. Stuff. Like let's talk about social media first. Yep. Like LinkedIn's a huge platform, I'm assuming, for leveraging this kind of stuff. It is. As well as other social channels are. So like, what does that look like? How do you do this on a social media platform? And then do you need like paid profile? Do you need like LinkedIn premium, for example? Funny enough, I mean, just to take a step back, and this is remarkable, right? I was having a conversation with uh, someone some weeks back and I just had to remind them like LinkedIn is free. Like some of these social media platforms are actually like free, right? At least for the time being. I mean, you know, they're they're talking about some platforms. Yeah. Having some like, pace, but, we'll see. but Take advantage of it now. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? So from that perspective, I think you're spot on, right? So start with free LinkedIn. To the point about your sphere of influence and your network. So that's where you would start. And, you know, most attorneys, I would say, especially in private practice, you know, if you have an attorney bio on a website, you probably have a LinkedIn page, right? So start there. 
starts to add connections. And then LinkedIn has this algorithm where they will recommend connections based on, right. you know, different sort of like, you know, networking details, right? You know, your law school, your, you know, college or university or what have you. So that becomes a place, right? So once you start to make those connections, you'll find that a lot of LinkedIn posts are congratulations based, right? Or, you know, it's someone's work anniversary. The ability to just take a little bit of time invest a little bit of time and just deliver compliments based on these updates in your newsfeed, that actually becomes time well spent from a professional networking perspective. So that's one way where you've got an hour in a day and, and or even 30 minutes in a day where you just want to do that. And part of what you'll find is, you know, delivering some of those compliments, Jared, you pick up on some maybe stale relationships. Uh, maybe there's some right. folks that you forgot were in your network that you sort of reacquaint yourself with and becomes a really good exercise. And again, it's mutually beneficial. That's a little bit of a dopamine hit though too, right? Somebody's like, it is. oh, happy birthday. You're like, oh, cool. It's my birthday. Happy work anniversary, that kind of thing. Exactly, exactly. And you could take some of those conversations off of LinkedIn too, right? So right. if you have the person's email address or a cell phone, that's a really good time to just you know follow up that way to make it a little bit more personalized. Yeah. All right, last question for you. Other technology that is useful for leveraging this, social media or otherwise, what do you recommend people use and how should they use it? Jared, you might chuckle at this and feel free. Uh, uh -oh. You have a license to, to chuckle. Okay. Uh, uh, are, now are I'm familiar? nervous. Yeah, you're nervous. <laughs> are, are, you, are you familiar? This is shocking, right? Because, you know, all this talk about AI, artificial intelligence. Are you familiar at all with emails, electronic mail? Email? Never heard of that before. Oh, never? Okay, shocking, right? I would say, and there's research on this, especially in professional services, our ability to leverage emails for compliments and getting reacquainted with contacts is average at best. Yeah. At best, right? You know, if you map out anyone's email address or your just your inbox or what have you, um, you would be amazed at the category of messages that they have and how so few messages in their inbox are related to compliments or related to positive feedback loops. Uh, it's just remarkable. Mostly right? so demands, would, right? Exactly. Time-sensitive exactly. demands. <laughs> Time-sensitive demands. So I would say that that is an opportunity if an attorney wants to be intentional about that. And again, it, they could A-B test this. They could, yeah. they literally could A-B test this. Like, hey, I'll, I'll go a month where I'm very intentional about delivering messages that are positive, that are complimentary on my email and, and just see what happens. Um, it, it's shocking. So I would say, yeah, that's one tool that it's already paid for. You know, you're not going to be in business as an attorney and not have an email or an email address. So I would say leverage that for some of these networking opportunities as it relates to, again, the law of large numbers as well as the law of compliments. Right. And I think that's cool. I think most people are trying to get their email as quickly as they can. But like yep. if you can take a moment to say something complimentary or to ask for something in a nice way, like it, it does go a long way for sure. Absolutely. Chuki, I talk about this stuff forever, but... We got to get to our next segment. Are you going to come back for that one? Oh, absolutely. I'm going to come back for that think, one. Think about uh, that. We're going to take one final sponsor break so you can hear more about our sponsor companies and their latest service offerings. Then stay tuned for the rump roast. It's even more supple than the roast beast. Contract automation isn't a trend. It's a strategic imperative. Though big players in the e-sign world will make you believe implementing it will cost you big bucks and more than a few headaches, it doesn't have to be that way. DocuB is an easy to onboard, full suite of products that includes e-signature, brilliant workflow capabilities, and AI contract automation at nearly half the price of those out-of-touch behemoths. The one thing DocuB doesn't automate 
their customer service, visit get.docub.com slash contracts to set up a call with a real live person. DocuB will be with you every step of the way. Hey, Guy, what's up? Just having some lunch, Conrad. Hey, Guy, do you see that billboard out there? Oh, you mean that guy out there in the gray suit? Yeah, the gray suit guy. Order up. There's uh, all those beautiful, rich, leather-bound books in the background. That is exactly the one. That's J.D. McGuffin at Law. He'll fight for you! I bet you he has got so many years of experience. Like decades and decades. And I bet, Guy, I bet he even went to a law school. Are you a lawyer? Do you suffer from dull marketing and a lack of positioning in a crowded legal marketplace? Sit down with Guy and Conrad for Lunch Hour Legal Marketing on the Legal Talk Network, available wherever podcasts are found. Welcome to the rear end of the legal toolkit. That's right. It's the rump roast. You've all been waiting for it. It's a grab bag of short form topics, all of my choosing. Why do I get to pick? Because I'm the host. Chucky, summer's over, man. I'm really depressed. I can already feel the chill in the air. How are you feeling? Like out in Chicago where it's pretty yeah. damn cold. <laughs> <laughs> so I think we earned the summer this last summer. And I'm prepared to earn another summer uh, <laughs> season. How about that? It's a great attitude. I don't feel that yeah, way. I just want the summer to be all the time. <laughs> all the time. So if the summer were all the time, Jared, how much would you really appreciate the summer? It's really funny. Like my grandmother always used to say like, okay, for you to really appreciate things, you have to have stuff that's not so great. So I'm right there yeah. with you. Like that's a phenomenal yeah. attitude to have. So here we sit in September. I know yep. people say like summer really ends on like the 22nd of September. I don't care about that. Like Labor Day <laughs> weekend is over. Summer is over as far as I'm yeah. concerned. Now, do you know what there are a lot of in September? It turns out really stupid holidays. So whoa, we're introducing a new segment to the rump roast called fake ass holidays. Okay. <laughs> Here's how we're going to play. I'm going to give you three potential September holidays. Okay. But one of them I've totally made up. <laughs> Your job is to tell me which holiday is fake. Are you ready to play, sir? I am ready. I was born ready, bread ready. <laughs> I thought you might say that. All right. I got yeah. five groupings for you, five different groupings. Okay. Our first grouping. One of these is not a real holiday. Okay. September 26th, Johnny Appleseed Day. September 13th, Roald Dahl day september 21st mickey mantle day which of these holidays is not actually a real holiday there's a part of me that really would appreciate mickey mantle not having a holiday oh wait are you not a yankees fan i am not oh i hate the yankees too what's your favorite team cubs no not the cubs actually the rangers the texas rangers but the rangers yeah, wow. yeah, you know, yeah. Look, I went to college. I don't in see Texas a lot of Rangers either. fans. Good on you, man. They're good this year. <laughs> yeah, They're yeah. good this year. Yeah, there's maybe eight of us in the country, uh, but we uh, we stick together. <laughs> I have I have some Rangers throwback hats. As you do. Some, there some you go. listeners may know. Okay, so what's your pick? Yeah, here? that is actually my pick. Mickey Mantle Day is actually fake because. Yeah. That dude does not deserve a holiday, nor do any <laughs> Yankees while we're at it. Okay. You're one for one. Pretty good. Thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah, vigorous alignment with you on that, Jared. <laughs> here's, here's our second grouping. September 19th, National Butterscotch Pudding Day. September 8th, National Brookies Day. September 18th, Rice Krispies Treats Day. Which one of these did I make up? I think every day should be Rice Treats Day. <laughs> every single day. It is for be. me. <laughs> it is for you. Okay. Um, so, huh, it's interesting. Butterscotch pudding, Brookies, or Rice Krispies? Which is the made up holiday? I'd say the butterscotch. For some reason, that's, that seems uh, a little bit too idiosyncratic. That's a good guess, but there is actually a National Butterscotch Pudding Day on September 19th. Wow. May I just say I love butter, like butterscotch is an old lady flavor, but I I love butterscotch butterscotch pudding until I throw up. I mean, you know, you say old lady, I say idiosyncratic. Hmm, Um, Okay, that works. Um, Probably less lawsuits coming your way. Okay. (laughs) You know, you're familiar with Brookies, right? Before I... No, please. uh, Yeah, opine. Okay, Brookies are combo like brownies and chocolate chip cookies you basically bake a chocolate chip cookie on top of a brownie <laughs> my kids love these things they eat them like candy which they kind of are yeah yeah they have vitamins in them right yeah i'm sure they have some kind of vitamins yeah. in them, like the chocolate <laughs> vitamin our third grouping okay september 12th national clay pottery day september 14th national live creative day September 16th, Collect Rocks Day. Which of these are made up? Uh, Jared, I think you and I should establish a National Kick Rocks Day, uh, just for the record. Uh, that's something you and I could look into. I would love um, I would to. Say, I, yeah, I would say Collect Rocks. Uh, I, I imagine that's a great hobby for a lot of people, but does it meet the threshold of a national holiday? That's actually a real holiday, Collect Rocks Day. It is. Wow. Which I feel like was something that probably was invented during the Great Depression when people are like, I don't know, collect rocks? That sounds fun. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe this was a holiday. So the one I made up was National Clay Pottery Day, which seems like the most normal one. There isn't a Clay Pottery Day in September. Interesting. I mean, wow. I'm going to switch it up a little bit for our fourth grouping. Please go for it. September, not a holiday. But September contains which of the following weeks? One of these is made up. National Waffle Week. National Knit a Sweater Week. National Farm Animals Awareness Week. Uh, Which of those is not real? Waffle Week, Knit a Sweater Week, Farm Animals Awareness Week. Yeah, Waffles Week seems (laughs) remarkable. Sketchy at best. Yeah. (laughs) Well, sadly, you should be heading down to the IHOP at some point in September because there is a National oh, Waffle Week wow. in September. The one I wow. made up was National Knit a Sweater Week. <laughs> okay. Of all the things you could make up, Jared. Right. Uh, Farm Animals <laughs> Awareness is actually like a real week. Like, I don't know. I I'm, s- I'm fairly aware of farm animals that they exist. I think we're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I can see that. Yeah, I can see that for our animal lovers, you know. I got one more for you. And this Please. is this is now we're going months. Okay. Oh wow. What is September known for as a month? Our fifth grouping. September is known as Pothole Awareness Month, Save Your Photos Month, National Piano Month. Potholes, photos, pianos. Which one did I make up? 
save your photos. That's that's that, it. That's real. <laughs> that is a real thing. I mean, that's sort of a, a new invention, right? I mean, did we save photos back in I don't know, <laughs> no, the no, forties and fifties? I don't know if they're talking about like your Polaroids or like saving yeah. stuff to Google Drive or what. I'm not aware. So like, yeah, it's uh, funny. Pot- Pothole Awareness Month was what I made up. It's also National Piano Month. Oh yeah, I could see that. There's gonna there's gonna be like some derivatives here. I just don't know, but like <laughs> I don't know. Like we could also do like dispose of your photos month or dispose of your photo, yeah. Which probably would help the planet uh if we're talking about Polaroids. Right. Or delete uh, you know, like uh like shred all your old paper documents. That'd be a good month for lawyers. Be a great month. Oh yeah. <laughs> lawyers, I mean, that would be amazing. I I would take a lot of these practices to the next level, Jared. I mean, maybe you've sort of just cracked the code for Maybe. The next practice management insight. We just need a national holiday. We just need a national holiday. Yep. Thanks for playing with us. That was fun. I enjoyed myself personally. Oh, absolutely. But I was the one who got to make up holidays. So, how long did it take you to make up all of those holidays? Several Jeremy, days. That's several days. Uh, ago. That's good. But it was time well spent. <laughs> yeah. Tricky. Thanks for Big coming R- on. Big Thank ROI. you, Jared. Uh, huge ROI. Yeah. Huge <laughs> ROI for that. Um, look, absolute pleasure and privilege to be on, Jared. Thank you for having me. Come back on sometime, man. Take care. Absolutely. Take care. Bye-bye. If you want to find out more about Chuki Abiyo and his work at Better Price, visit ChukiLaw.com. That's C-H-U-K-I-L-A-W.com. ChukiLaw.com. Now, for those of you listening in Skokie, Illinois, we've got a new Spotify playlist for y'all. It's our Jimmy Buffett tribute. A non-parrot head looks at 46 where we've got Jimmy Buffett songs and country songs influenced by Jimmy Buffett. Fuck, this one hits home for me. But if life is a Buffett, why not go back for a second plate? Now, sadly, I've run out of time to talk about how I daydream of running over the band of wild turkeys in my neighborhood. Fuck those guys. I'm just trying to keep from jerking the wheel. This is Jared Korea reminding you that September is also Hemorrhoid Awareness Month. But I suppose if you have a hemorrhoid, you're probably pretty fucking aware of it. And I just made that up. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.